Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is episode 67 for March 2015, a special on clicks in the U.S., Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phileas Club. This is a special episode that we're going to be doing, talking about clicks in American high schools. Uh, we've been mentioning this here and there a couple of times, and I said I would like to do an episode about this at some point because it's something that is weirdly uh, uh, separate from the rest of the world, and at the same time, it resonates, I think, with a lot of people and and kids and teenagers in the rest of the world. And uh, I don't always want to do the uh, specials to be about one country. I want to have just an exploration of a specific topic that is culturally different in different parts of the world, the world for sure, but uh, not necessarily a country. So I think uh, this topic, the clicks in, in U.S. high schools, was a very interesting one to, to discuss. And uh, to help me do that, I have a returnee of the show. Wendy Dunford is uh, back with us. Hey, How's it Hi. going, Wendy? Well, well, how are you? I, I am uh, very well. I'm very good. You know, I'm appreciating the first uh, days of spring in this uh, northern barren land of <laughs> yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're in Sweden, too. Uh, yes. I mean, you're in Sweden and I'm in Finland. So it's kind of the, you know. And are you in Helsinki? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. I'm, so you're right in the now. warmest part of, Swin of Finland. And yes, I'm in yes. I'm in the southern of parts of not the very southern, but you know, west yeah. coast southern. So we we are doing well compared to our northern northern friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't even want to know how they deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, still dark there. Every yeah, day. it's it's getting nice now though. So yeah, um, it's not bad. Yeah. So yeah, as people might figure out uh, from your accent, you're from the U.S. originally, and um, you are also you happen to be a psychotherapist, and yes. uh, you so you probably have a little bit of insight about uh, this this strange phenomenon of clicks in the U.S. Yes, but my real qualification is I was in a clique in high school. <laughs> what? So. Oh, ooh, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> now. So yeah. I was going to ask which. Click, but I'm gonna let leave yeah. that for just in in a couple of minutes. That's a cliffhanger. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, before though, uh, I just want to address very quickly uh, something about the previous episode, the regular episode for February, uh, where we discussed amongst amongst other things, um, work reform laws, uh, labor laws um, for France, and there were a couple of people who very kindly uh, but pretty saliently uh, mentioned that they enjoyed the conversation. They thought there was. 
uh, uh, interesting points being made, but they lamented the fact that uh, I was being, along with my co-hosts, a horrible capitalistic right-wing sellout. Uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing here a little <laughs> bit, but um, but I thought, without commenting on the nature of all of this, I just thought it was really interesting um, because I, at the beginning of the show or at the beginning of that discussion, we sort of mentioned that France was, in my opinion, very much to the left of the political spectrum, even in Europe, which is already on the left of the political spectrum for the rest of the world. And, um, and I'm usually... Uh, being accused again using quotes usually being accused of being a left-wing uh, pinko nut job in by other people um, because you know i think i think of myself as very much of a um, social democrat you know i'm for uh uh healthcare being provided by the state. I'm for uh, education being provided by the state. I'm for um, uh, uh, unemployment benefits. I want, uh, you know, I was very in favor of gay marriage. I'm, I have a lot of left wing, what, what the rest of the world would consider left wing uh, opinions and ideas. And I thought it was illustrating that point that France is to the left of all of this, I thought it was illustrating that point really well that a couple of French people came to me and said, ah, oh, you know, it was interesting, but you're such a right-wing person. And I'm like, oh my God, how, how does that even work? You know, I think it's really important to put yourself out of your environment to look at it more clearly. That's something we said in that show. And I think that a lot of people, not just in France, but in this case, it was Uh, relevant for, for France, um, a lot of people would really benefit from getting out of it. And it's not easy, you know? It's not like you just look at the things you've always looked at and thought, and all of a sudden, one day, because someone tells you, well, you know, look at it differently, you all of a sudden start looking at it differently. But I think what we're trying to do with this show is really to show people that are in a specific context and environment that there are other ways to look at it. And maybe when you look around and look at a broader scope of, of everything that exists, you consider the thing you've always known a little bit differently. And that's the experience I've had, you know, moving around in the world. And right. I think, yeah. So, well, I was going to say that's, it's a perfect lead into what we're talking about because it's team sports in the end, Right. Your team, my team. And when you stand in one position, you can look at someone and assume they're something because they're on that other team. So for you who are, you're, you're, you're more on the liberal side of things, for someone who's um, on a certain position, you know, on that spectrum, looks at you and sees you to the right, they think, well, that person's to the right. They're on another <laughs> team. When right. really, you're probably on the same team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, th I would absolutely agree. Um, and so, all right, you know what? Let's not dwell on this too much. I just wanted to mention it because culturally, I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's go back to the clicks thing. And uh, again, short introduction. I think this is a fascinating phenomenon because obviously, culturally, we're influenced by, or not influenced, but exposed to a lot of the American way of life through yeah. movies and, and, um, and TV shows and music and books and everything and you know even comic books and all of that so i think we have a kind of a fascination and understanding and fascination and bewilderment uh, for people who are outside of the u.s at what makes that high school experience and how important the cliques and groups and uh, are so you were saying that you were in a in a clique before we 
um, <laughs> get into the whys and hows? Yes. Well, I would have never said that out loud during the time because that's not how you perceive it when you're in it. You don't think, I'm in a click and there's a hierarchy and these are the factors that determine someone's popularity and this is how people transition from group to group. I mean, I know that now as a psychologist, but I don't know that. I didn't know it then, but I can look back and say, oh, yeah, I definitely was in one. And I have a, you know, I played a certain role. I could kind of morph into other groups when I wanted, but my core group always was the same. And there's a name for that. And, you know, it's it's weird to look at it now backwards and say, oh, yeah, that, that was happening. <laughs> so <laughs> just, to, just to, be, to be clear, when we're talking about cliques, it's the different groups of people that are sort of lumped together by themselves or by others and sort of put one label on their heads and that's what defines them like you have the the geeks and the computer nerds and the emo people and the popular people the and theater the theater crowd and the, right so that's what we're <laughs> talking about right yeah yes and let, let's take i'll back it up a little bit how it even sort of gets started something to think about is and this is happening around the entire world there's just a weird thing that happens in america but as as kids grow up And as they transition from spending most of their free time and most of their sort of um, extra hours outside of school with people other than their family, right? They, they're with their family for years and years and years, and they slowly start to make this move into being with their peers more time than they are with their family. And in that transition, if you think about why a family you know, what could be great about that is the stability of sort of, you know, who you are, this is your last name, this is what we do, these are the foods we eat. It gives you kind of some a foundation of like, oh, how do I work in the world? And a the, sense of identity, I yes, guess. It's, yeah, mm. that's just a faster way to say that. Mm. <laughs> sense of identity. <laughs> so the sense of identity, and then what happens is our brains mature. And instead of things being all black and white, as they are until we're about eight or nine years old, suddenly this pre-puberty stage of 10, 11, you know, starting puberty, we can think more abstractly. Our brain has actually grown to a place where we can have sort of discordant thoughts at the same time. And that hasn't happened before. Um, you know, a perfect example is you tell a kid, don't smoke, smoking's bad. And then they see someone smoking and they're like, don't smoke, smoking's bad, that guy's bad. Right. They they can't distinguish between a good person and a bad person who smokes or doesn't smoke because that's too big for their brain. And when their brain catches up, it's about the, that age. And then suddenly we flood it with hormones and puberty starts. And they also transition from being with their family and they want to get away from the family to some extent to a peer group. And in that transition, they are still needing a sense of identity So this is where they fall fall into their teams or they fall into the group that fits them best. And and you notice when you just listed all those groups, they all have very strong identities. We could say, what do emos look like? What do the jocks look like? What do the cheerleaders look like? What do the geeks do on the weekend? I mean, we can list all of this, A, because it's in movies, but B, because people have sorted themselves by interest and by power structure, which I'll talk about more later. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's you how tell it us, starts. But Okay, so uh, the sense of identity, obviously, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And once you say it, it seems very obvious. But um, if we want to put the U.S., you know, on the, the, the special side of the room uh, for a second, uh, this happens in every 
country and every culture, I'm sure. I mean, Absolutely. certainly in France, it, it there was these, this kind of, you know, it was a little bit more homogenous, I think, in high school. I don't know how it is today, but certainly when I was in high school, it was homogenous and there were different groups, but it's not like you were absolutely excluded from one if you were right. unpopular or, and it seems, um, and there I'm going to ask uh, for your expertise in like actual real life. It seems that the uh, representation in pop culture is super extreme. Like the, they don't even talk to one another. They make fun of one another. I, and I know, you know, intellectually, I understand that movies aren't real life. And that, <laughs> good, you know, good. I've Progress. learned that when, when I've seen how they represent hacking in movies. And right. I know real life hacking. And I, I realize it's not actually how it happens in those movies. So right. Right. I love when they per portray therapists. It's also not how it happens in real life. You know, I've I've started to realize that everything it's it's like it's really uh, uh, educational to see in a movie something that you actually know in real life yeah. and see how inaccurate it is. And so from then you can extrapolate and understand how inaccurate everything that is in a movie actually is. So right. coming well, no, back to the clicks. Sorry, well, I was going to say, no one wants to watch regular life. I mean, there's a guess, reason yeah. they amp it up and, and uh, characterize things. I heard an interesting podcast about, um, what's that called in New York? Central casting, where you, it literally is a thing um, where they, in New York, where you line up in the morning or California or whatever, and you line up and you're basically trying to be extras in movies. And you will be in if you fit a stereotype. And if you think about that, mm. everything we see in movies, it's because they've they've tested it to see if it's believable or not. So an example this woman gave was, so if I'm going to stage a scene of New York, I will put everyone in dark clothing with dark hair, walking quickly on a sidewalk. I mean, we've all seen this image a million times, right? With a, with a cup of coffee in there. With a cup of coffee, yes. And everyone's in a hurry and people are yelling in an accent at a taxi or whatever. <laughs> so that's what we think of as New York. Well, when they put that in a movie all of us, it doesn't distract us because we know exactly, oh, that's New York. We expect that. So art sometimes trains us what to think as well. But this, this particular woman said, so she just cast a movie like that. And then she went to New York herself. She's walking down the street <laughs> and she said, the majority of the people on the street had blonde hair. She's never thought that was even possible before. And people had light color clothing on and it felt so weird to her. She went, oh, uh, wait, New York doesn't actually look like what I just did, but people won't buy it. They they want to see what they right, think right. New York is. I think that has something to do with sort of what our brains like to sort and categorize things so they make sense to us. So when we stereotype something or even even racism, you could say is an extreme form of this, of what is familiar and seems right feels right. That's that black and white thing right. I think some, some adults yeah. keep taking. So when you get to high school... You've been doing this already. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about some studies I found that I, I think are, are pretty interesting. Um, uh, one, but, oh, so uh, the, 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 the studies are going to be talking about real life. I just want to, for, for oh, everyone sorry. to understand, uh, I just want, I would like you to tell us how, again, how accurate this is, because we don't know actual <laughs> American high school, right? right? So how far from the truth is that 
fan, uh, you know, fantastical image that we have of, of the cliques in high school that we've created through the movies. So Is it I actually can, like that? Or? I can, sorry, I forgot the question. I got so excited. Um, <laughs> That's fine. I can speak from my own experience. I happened to run into an American today and asked him about his high school in California. So I thought I could get, you know, two perspectives. <laughs> cool. And it it's very similar in sort of the structural context, meaning you do have the different groups. You have the athletes that hang out together. You have the music people that hang out together. You have the swim team that doesn't talk to anyone because they're always practicing together and never have time. You know, you have these variations of groups. That is accurate. But what is not accurate is the intensity which you see in most movies. Yes, there's bullying and yes, there's leaving people out. And and not to say there aren't, you know, cases here or there. Of course there are, but it's obviously much less dramatic. You don't have a, a common school day where, you know, everyone's devastated because of the interaction that happened in school for the majority of kids. Not to say that can't happen to some, but it's definitely more dramatic. So, so here's a here's a great it, example. Do you know have have you seen High School Musical? I don't think I have. Okay, so it's imagine everything you've seen about high school in America. Now make it a Disney-fied musical. <laughs> that sounds horrendous. But with Zac really? Efron, and <laughs> wow. it was filmed in a building, uh, a school building, not far from my house in, when we lived in Utah, and. So it was filmed there. Actually, my brother and his wife and kids were extras in it um, because they were the only Koreans in the valley. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they needed some color. Anyway, they, they, they filmed it there. And at one time I was like, I got to go see what it looks like. Because if you see the movie, it's, it's a magical kingdom of high school. It's ridiculous. Like nothing's like that. So I, I went to the building and it's so funny because it was so clear how much they had to upstage everything to make that movie look the way it did. Um, and the building looks sort of like it, but not really. And so it's a perfect example of like seeing the sort of skeleton behind the stuff. It's, mm. it's not typically real. So for example, a typical scene, uh, you know, in that kind of movie, you would have the, um, I mean, obviously I, I keep thinking about, um, about breakfast club, but that's right. almost a, a different kind of thing. But in in these kinds of movies, you would have the popular girls that you know are completely insufferable and and look down on what not even the the the, the nerds, but you know anyone else who walks by. Is that you? You were saying you were in a clique. Was that the kind of clique you were in? Or? No, no, okay. no, no. So, but no. does that does that happen? Do the popular girls are they actually? horribly spoiled insufferable people or is it just that they they will they answer you if you're not part of the right click when you come and ask for i don't know notes from a class or something i ha i have never seen that in real life okay um, so it's not that extreme no it's not that extreme and 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 here's why this even exists in america is and i can can share what happens in sweden as as an yeah. example of the antithesis mm -hmm. so here they go to school until um ninth grade which is about 14 and then they choose which high school they're going to go to and their high schools so you choose so you sort yourself i'm going to go to the athlete high school i'm going to go to the music high school so they do regular classes but they have an emphasis right so it's like a magnet school in the united states where you go to a specific school for a specific set of training and, you know, that type of thing. So they have already sorted themselves into cliques before they even walk through the, that high school building. So they're already a little bit similar. Um, and that in, in Sweden anyway, is not based on geography at all. 
So my kids could travel 45 minutes by train every day to go to a high school that, you know, they're the only ones from this town that go to this school. So it isn't geography, it's choice. You're choosing where you're going to end up. So you're choosing who you're with. American high schools are based on geography. And often they try to mix the wealthier kid areas with the poor neighborhoods to get a blend that's going to benefit the school, they think. And then they shove them all into one building. And so the only determinant for why they are there, because you don't get to choose often, there's some schools and some states are trying to change some of that. You're there because you live in the boundaries of that school. And I think that is the main difference I I can come up with, how it gets created. And it would happen in Sweden if it was done the same way. I don't think it would be all that different. Um, except for there is another factor that's interesting, and I this may go along with my team sports idea, and that is they don't have sports in school. So if you play football or you play um, tennis or basketball or any, whatever you play, you go to a club that's in the community, and then you just go to school to go to school. There isn't blending of the two things. So this heightened sense of belonging to your school is, I mean, it's really heightened based on sports and those kind of activities where we win, you lose, and it builds that camaraderie and, and unity that looks so fun on TV. And it is, it's really fun. Um, but I think it's another factor why this exists so strongly in the United States and maybe not in other places. But, you know, in, in France, for example, there is this uh, geographical uh, uh Divide, uh, divide division of uh, high schools, okay. and on of every school actually, and um, still it seems uh, uh, like it's that that division of cliques is incredibly heightened in the U.S. compared to France, and we don't have um, the the. I mean, I guess France is an integration machine. We really try to be all yeah. children of the Republic and, you know, we're all very equal in every respect. And so school tries to put everyone on the same level. Maybe that's not happening in the US oh, uh, yeah. as much, but <laughs> it, yeah. there's, I mean... It, it it what stri strikes me as well in the U.S. for communities. I mean, there seems to be a really strong uh, uh, desire to define yourself through your heritage, your community. You know, which is in France, everyone's French. Everyone is, as I was saying, half jokingly, a child of the Republic, yeah. and you're you're all equal. Hopefully, um, in the U.S. There's, you know, the, the, because it's a younger country, maybe, but there are the different, you have the, you know, the African Americans and the Asian Americans and the Native Americans and the, the Irish and the whatever, right? And everyone is holding on to their, to their identity, community identity very strongly. I'm wondering if that also doesn't, maybe not correlate exactly on a vertical level, but has the same uh, uh, origin somewhere that provokes that sense of uh, uh, that need for an identity in high school as well. I mean, that's a that's a great point. I think you're hitting on where kind of the core of this is. If you think about um, kind of the basic mentality of a communal society versus an individualistic society. So it's sort of survival of the fittest. And if you look at what cliques actually are, it's survival in 
you know, it's sort of a petri dish of like, right. who's going to make it, who's not, what's, you know, where are you ranked, that type of thing. And that is very American. So when you say, oh, everyone's French and we're working on integration, and, and it's very much the same in Sweden. I mean, 100% of the time we're talking about everyone's equal, everyone's equal, everyone's equal all the time. And here they actually have a law that you can't think you're better than other people. <laughs> it's true. And, uh, and it's, How's it it's, phrased, I wonder? Uh, if you think you're better, know. then you have to pay a fine. I think the direct translation is, if you think, you can't think you're the shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what happens is it really is internalized by them. It's really interesting right, right. to interact with them. It's, it's so fun. And they, they have kind of a love-hate relationship with America, like most people do, which is like, it's kind of cool to watch and you're in awe, but it's also not the easiest culture to live in if you are not the strongest, the smartest, the fastest. Mm. Um, and so that communal factor of, you know, we do we take care of our own and we are all this thing, we're all French or we're all whatever, um, isn't as strong. But the United States is huge. That's the other thing. So people, if you ask them their identity, like, how do you identify yourself? Well, they, they can say maybe their, their religious affiliation or the state they live in or, you know, some organization they belong to and or they'll say i'm american but they'll say yeah, i'm american it's not like there is there's a lack of american pride that's not no, what we're saying but not uh, at all in fact too much probably but it's this very individualistic formation so you mm. do not have parents going into school saying i demand that the kids are taught that we're all equal you have parents right. going in saying why is my kid not getting a b or c <laughs> and what is you know so you have this it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing you you win. Now here's the thing. So you, we have we we have everyone has integration problems, but one of the reasons I think the United States has certain successes in their integration situations is that everyone is buying in to the same idea, the American dream, right? Mm. Which is if you just work hard enough, then you can be as rich as you want. You know, we <laughs> and we all buy it hook, line and sinker. And as long as we're all believing that, then we don't have to really worry about the poor. And we don't have to worry about healthcare for everyone. We don't have to do some of those things because we can blame you if you're poor because you just aren't right, working hard right. enough. Yeah. And that to me is, uh, I think, the the core reason why you get what you get with, I mean, it might be a big jump, but I think the high school individualism. So it's funny, you get into a group in order to practice your individualism. And that's hmm. consistent with development from family to peer group to moving into adulthood in America anyway, is proving that independence and, you know, sort of moving that way. Whereas in another culture, it may be staying close to your family is the value or the communal yeah, idea, and, something different. And, and, you know, I don't want to say that there isn't, uh, you know, divisions in French society. Definitely sure. that exists. And certainly you have disenfranchised uh, suburbs and some portions of the of the country are much worse off than other portions, of course. But um, it seems like it's a different kind of division. And the ideal is, you know, everyone equal under the umbrella of the state, um, mm -hmm. which sounds incredibly socialist. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but for, for, The, this idea of in, in individualism seems like it could be at the origin, as we're saying, for for those cliques. But it's it's also uh, 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 maybe it's because I'm looking at the 
you know, pop culture image of this, right. but it seems very extreme. Um, let's talk about a, an actual real life example, uh, that of Wendy Dunford when you were <laughs> in a clique in high school. So uh, finally, the answer to the cliffhanger, which clicks, wa which click was it? And, uh, uh, let's start with that. Which click was it? How hierarchical was it? And, uh, well, so I don't know the official terms for any of it because um, I've read over all of them because there's a list. Um, you probably <laughs> remember Mean Girls that came out a couple years ago with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, and, it was it was more than a couple of years ago, but yeah, yeah, I can't I don't keep track of time very well. Anyway, um, there's an author who's written a book about it as well, and there's a lot of labels here, right? You can have lots of names, and there's lots mm. of roles people play. So I I look at them and I think none of these fit, but. Um, I How would, would you say, describe it? I would describe it as, so you have the upper echelon, right? You have the very popular kids. And how I would describe them is they're all very attractive. And often they're athletes. And often there are people with wealth. And I, I went to a high school that had no diversity in race, but had lots of diversity in income, uh, socioeconomic status. So so the, sort of the, the top group, that's those are those guys. And then my group was what you would probably be probably called the second group. <laughs> I don't know the edges, the fringe actually is the technical term sort of on the fringe of the popular. And, and what that meant is we could blend with them. We could hang out with them a little bit. We were individually friends with those individuals, but they weren't the same parties. They weren't the same um, sort of activities necessarily. And if they crossed over, it was no big deal. There wasn't a lot of Like, oh, you can't, no, no. But it just wasn't a natural fit. But the friendliness between us and them was was very um, common and it was fine. But I never once thought, oh, I'm so popular. I always thought, oh, they're so popular. <laughs> right, okay. Right. But so you're, you're saying, you're defining two groups here. And you referred to popularity a few times. Yes. Uh, Is that the main factor? Is it ranked from most popular to least popular? And how many of those groups did you have in your school? So you're in the second one. Were there like five or 10 or three? Oh, there's, or? Right. There's probably officially five, um, but there's okay. then there's lots of outliers and small groups. And, and... Let's simplify. Let's go Hollywood. Uh, roughly five. <laughs> roughly five. So okay. you have the, the, the cool kids, the popular kids, and then you have like just the fringe group. And then you have... Uh, you have a lot of other groups. Now, I don't know how sort of nerds or geeks rank now because they can, the, the technology is so different because, you know, I'm in high school, we had no technology. Of course. And so there wasn't a lot of value on anyone hacking into computers in the middle of the night. That was not a thing. And mm. so maybe now that would flip, but there, there would But how was it then in your, in your, uh, when you were in high school, there were the groups below you. So you've described how you would interact with the, the group, with the popular kids. Yes. How would you interact with the, the ones below? And I understand that saying below is terrible, below me. But, yes. but, but so well, less, the less popular ones. Right. Well, and what's interesting is I did not identify myself as being in any real one group, except a tight group of girlfriends and then guys we hung out with, which you would say is a group, right? So I felt like I was part of many groups. I was, I played a lot of sports. So each of my teams were another group that I would spend time with and they didn't necessarily blend with my other groups. And then I also sang, oh. so I was with the musical kids. So, and, 
Actually, sorry, I'm interrupting again, but that seems like an interesting distinction or realization. You, do you think the kids that are in the cliques when they're young, do they realize that they're maybe ostracizing other people or being themselves those those very uh, strict cliques? Or do they not know this at the time? So there can be, I think, meanness happening, absolutely, where people are cruel. But I would say the average kid isn't worried about how other kids are feeling generally because of brain development. They are still so worried about themselves. Um, how do they look? What people think of them, that empathic ability to sort of step in someone else's shoes that comes with maturity and age. And I think that, you know, sort of the experiment of middle school and high school is a place where, you know, it's kind of Lord of the flies where everyone's trying to figure out where they stand and who, who, not to mess with and who's safe and who am I? And so it's a complicated time, but I really don't think the average kid is as cruel as you would ever see on TV. And, and, and here's where I'm an old lady, right? Because now we have 100% of the time access to our social click on social media. And I think it brings in a whole nother element. So you can't turn it off. So I could go home after interacting with the popular kids and feeling kind of stupid that day And then just like regroup for the evening, watch a little TV, hang out with my family, talk to a friend. Now I would go home. I would look at Instagram and see that everyone was at a party I wasn't invited to. I'd look at Facebook and see how everyone's life looks so dang fun. And that's to me why there is evidence that the whole world has this because Facebook is worldwide and it yeah. is nothing but a high school click a hundred percent of the time <laughs> and it can be really painful. So I, I don't know what it's like to be a kid right now, but I have a hard time thinking that's easy to have it not shut off because your, your click group again includes famous people with Photoshop and it includes, so, you know, your circles of who you can compare yourself to and feel bad that you don't, you know, meet up is huge and endless and, and unfair, you know, in mm. many ways. Yeah, that that does sound pretty pretty terrible for for kids today. How do they do it? it you know, I don't uh, know. I often I know. get. I, I often think, you know, old, regular old people would think, ah, oh, kids today they don't understand how you know it was before. I think kids before, so adults today don't understand the world of kids today. No, <laughs> they have no idea. You know, I've done um, a couple of. Uh, I've had a couple clients who are middle age, middle school aged girls where they're depressed and they're, you know, almost suicidal, lots of, lots and lots of challenges. And I've done this with every one of them. Um, and they've hated me for the first 10 days, but I have all of them get off social media and actually all technology for 30 days, just take a break. And it is miraculous to see what happens. Really? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, their faces, their eyes, the way they stand, everything changes. And the, and what they learn. So then they go back, you know, they can go back to Instagram, they can go back to whatever they were doing before, but it gives their brain a break and a chance to sort of reboot and for them to realize when they go back that the crap never ends. They just have to decide how much they take to in. To, yeah. yeah. And this works with adults. I mean, adults need it just as much. It's because the human brain has not evolved to handle all of this social comparison so much so quickly. And so it's it's an interesting technique. I I recommend everyone try it. Mm. If you It's 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a, um, a a challenge for anyone who is who is you know exposed to show, social media a lot, and yeah. maybe people who are are a little bit public. I mean, I often say that the community of podcasters and and the community around podcasters is very lucky because we have a very positive environment and yeah. most people are very caring and and well-meaning there are always going to be a few annoying comments and people who are just out to ruin your day and even that yeah. is hard to deal with and it's really a process to actually learn to care less about these like to actually not care as much as you initially instinctively react it's a, it's a working on yourself psychologically it's really hard so i can't imagine how difficult it, it would be for kids right um, who who haven't had the time to develop that sense of self um it's there in the middle of it how do mm. i who am i and man and they're sort of still defining themselves learning yes. to define themselves in relation to what other people think of them so yeah um, yeah it's tricky There, there's another aspect of the of the clicks that I'm curious about. Uh, again, the American versions. Um, that I mean, at least in the in, I was going to say in the movies, but really any normal person looking at this would think that the the most popular kids are usually the worst people in the world, <laughs> and and, yeah. and the sense of justice. Maybe it's a romanticized version of reality in the movies. Is that the the Those on the higher echelon mm -hmm. are actually the ones that are going to be have horrible lives uh, when they're adults, yeah. and the jocks are going to end up, you know, working as clerks at the, I don't know, gas station or something like that. Yeah. And the, the the nerds and the least the least popular ones are the ones that are going to go on to study and and uh, become clever and make lots of money and rule the world. And certainly, the nerds today are are enjoying a lot of popularity that they didn't have when I was a nerdy right, kid. Right, right. Um, is, that, is that any kind of real? Like, is, is there... Yes, actually. Actually, okay. I have a, a personal anecdote on that, and I also have some studies on that, which is interesting. But I, I think uh, Hollywood ramps that up because that's what we all want to see. But it actually is kind of true. So, so let me give you some terms really quick to define some things. Um, there's sociometric status. And that's if people like you, right? If you have social skills, you're friendly, you're funny, you're just going to be more likable, right? There's that facet. And then the other one is perceived popularity. And that is individuals with status or power. And, and, uh, they can navigate or even manipulate, you know, the, the situation in high school. Those are the, the jocks who you, you know, the ones you're, that are portrayed as they're kind of jerks and they don't have time for anyone else they have figured out how to have the power, right? So those two metrics are, are pretty important, this sort of likability and then the popularity. And what they have found is those with high perceived popularity, so the cool kids, right, in high school, it's, a per, a, a, it's predicative, sorry, of alcohol use, early sexual activity, and smoking. So okay. they will experiment with certain things way before other kids will. And often these kids hit puberty earlier, Um, and interact with the opposite gender much earlier than um, other kids who are not quite in that category. So in some ways, they're actually physically peaking a little earlier than the other kids um, and reaching sexual maturity earlier. Um, but they're also sort of socially peaking. And um, so if they have just the I'm popular and they don't have that other likability, they don't 
necessarily do well. Um, they've shown that it's associated with a, a drop of that sociometric status, um, aka they peak in high school, right? So that right. is real. The thing you're describing is real. And then they've shown that long-term outcomes for people in the middle, so not the ones who are really isolated, um, you know, so, the loners. Sorry, just, just want to let yeah. that sink in for a second. There's actual science showing that if you're popular in high school, for it, it's, it, it is a symptom of other things that are probably going to make you less successful later in life. That's right. what it, you're saying. It could, it's a general trend. But it's yeah. a general. But, and it could if you just have the popularity part. If you don't have the also have right. the social skills, the sense of humor, the friendliness. So you can be really popular and everyone sees you as popular. But if you have these other things going on, you're going to be fine. But if okay. you just have the perceived popularity, like um, you're, you sort of scare everyone, <laughs> right? Mm. You, you're likely not going to do well in your life. Um, that, that's, that's one of the things that's showing. So you think about all those mothers or fathers out there, like my kid's so popular. They should be hoping that my kid's so in the middle. That's really what they should be hoping. Because the kids in the middle um, will do the best long-term Um, the kids who are very isolated and, and sort of out of all areas of connection with other cliques and kids don't do as well, as well as the most popular, interestingly. Um, mm. So my personal experiences, so I, I am an expert in this uh, follow-up business because I was in charge of my 20th year high school reunion <laughs> before we left America, um, literally like a month before it was kind of chaotic. And Uh, so we put this reunion together and it was so interesting. The people who I would consider in the, the, the middle echelon of, you know, not the most popular people knew them and they were great and smart and lots of nerds in that category and lots of, uh, athletes, lots of different people. They're just kind of there in the middle. Um, I contacted all of them on LinkedIn, right? I was going through name after name after name and I could see, what their jobs were. I could see their education. So with social media, I could look exactly who has been successful, at least on measures of what school you went to and, you know, whatever. And, um, I could look on Facebook and cause so I went through all the ways to see how everyone's doing. And what was so intriguing is this was totally true. Those folks in the middle <laughs> are like running the country. <laughs> and then the most popular kids were okay. Most of them are divorced. Most of them, you know, had some little trouble here or there. And the, the, the perfect example, so one guy was a football player and was so overweight. I mean, I don't, he could hardly get really? through the door. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big problem with those big kids when you're 17 and you weigh 300 pounds. It's not going to go good after, you know, mm. that type of thing. But here's the craziest part is my friend always had a crush on this guy. His name, his not going to tell you his name, but his, uh, his name, his name, she called him was the cool kid. because he was everything you, you know, to be the cool guy. Right. And he drank and he had a million girlfriends and he was the guy. Anyway, he comes to our high school reunion, you know, two hours late, just drunk as a skunk. And he had that, you know, your face when alcoholic face where all the blood yeah, vessels yeah. have popped. So we're 38 years old and he looked like a 60 year old man. Jesus. And, I mean, that's, we all that's, just that's a script for, for a Hollywood movie about, know. you know, <laughs> high school I know. And my friend was like, wow, I'm really glad that never turned into any kind of relationship. <laughs> and, and it was, he, this is a pretty extreme example, but someone who has done really not very much since high school, his peak was then it's really, it's really actually sad. Um, so it really is, uh, 
there's a lot of evidence and I've, I've seen it myself. It was very, very bizarre to go through everyone's occupation and <laughs> go, hmm. Wow. You know, it's, it, yeah, it is strange that in that regard, it's, it's not, I mean, let's not be definitive about everything. Obviously, sure, it's, more, it's just trends, but it's really interesting that this is also sort of rooted in some kind of reality. Um, you were, you were talking about studies about um, European countries where yeah. this was relevant as well. Um, well, and, and more than anything, just to show how early this starts. So there's a study in, out of the Netherlands And they just looked at tons and tons of kids in first and second grade. And what they found was in um, the average, like a, a certain township or area um, in schools, they would find at least 29 clicks within the first grade. So each click How had about... How old are you in, a, in the first grade? So just... first grade in the Netherlands, they're probably seven, six... Oh, right. Ish. Okay. So first yeah. grade is the, when you start school. Okay. When you start we, school, We don't yeah. have the same system in France. Yes, so I'm of course. Confused. Um, and so they had 29 cliques with about five-ish members in each clique. And then in second grade, um, they followed them for a couple of years. In second grade, there were 25 cliques on average with about six members. So apparently they got a little more inclusive and added a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if you think about that, I'm sure you could replicate that in any country, most countries in the world that this is a human behavior. This isn't some weird anomaly that just happens in American high schools. It starts very young and it's, it's social comparison theory. We're very, um, we're very tribal humans. We're humans. We are humans. Beings. We're very tribal. So we know how we're doing based on our position in a, in a, a group, right? We know we're okay if we're dressed like everyone else. We know We're acceptable if we speak, eat, you know, do some of those things. Some it's it's a way of knowing our identity or knowing if we're okay or not. That's that can be very foundational to most of us. And it's there's evidence that it starts in school and, and school is a sort of an artificial thing we created anyway. Put all these people together and they learn, but what they're also doing is navigating that social um, landscape that can be pretty tricky. So it happens. What's interesting is um The outcomes of some of this, we think, oh, it's negative, it's negative, it's negative. But there's actually some benefits. Um, And that's actually a good thing to, we're, we're going to get out of here fairly soon. But it, that's a good thing to, to discuss as well, because yes. we think pretty negative on all Yes. Of And what they have found is that it, boys, if they're isolated, they're not like in 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 a clique or, you know, they're kind of fringy, you know, they, they still can do okay. Girls have more problems if they're isolated. Oh, really? Yeah, which is interesting. I think some of that might be, oh, girls are meaner. I don't know. Girls are rough. <laughs> um, I mean, really, you know, that? what's that phrase? There's nothing like a woman scorned, right? But there, yeah. there's nothing like three teenage girls trying to get along. I mean, it's, it's they're just, uh, they're fun. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to stop talking and offend all the, all the women in the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, Uh, there was a, a fun study out of Canada where they realized one of the most important things that came out of cliques. Uh, apparently there's cliques in Canada and they're so nice in Canada. So, you know, that is, it's uh, yeah, racist. no, I mean, the, everything is, is amazing in Canada. I think we, we <laughs> understand this from movies and TV shows. Okay, as well. good, good, um, good. Um, but, but what I was yeah. going to say really quick is that these, they found that these cliques help children to externalize problems instead of internalized problems. And if you're a psychotherapist out there listening, you know how important this is. 
the difference between someone who sees something bad happen or something negative happens in their life and they internalize it. It's all about them. They are broken. They are the problem. That's what it means to internalize a problem. And those who can see that, okay, it's on the outside of me. It's, I'm not fundamentally broken. This is a thing that's happened, or I've made a mistake. I can do something about it is a incredibly resilient characteristics that a characteristic we all need. And what they found is clicks help kids to do that. To help. How, how so though? How does it, because they talk about stuff or because they relate to other outside things or? Well, I think, and I, I don't know, I haven't read the, the original study, but my guess would be that it has something to do with having um, that feedback loop of other people and friends that are a safety net, just like a family would probably do the same thing. And in fact, we know that from early child studies is that externalizing and internalizing problems, if you're in an abusive home and it doesn't feel safe or stable, you're going to internalize your problems. If it's a stable home and something occurs and it, there's open communication, there's more safety, you feel, you know, your neat, basic needs are being taken care of, then you're able to externalize problems. And I think it's probably the same thing. We've just now moved into the peer group being the right. basis instead of the friendship or sorry, instead of the family. Right, right. So it's it's kind of, well, I guess it's kind of your family outside of your home. Yeah. It's, it's the people that you are, well, your clique. Yeah, um, yeah. But... You know, I understand all of this. There's still, I guess we addressed it with the idea of individualism, but it still seems strange how uh, how intense that aspect of of childhood and teenager teenage years, which exists in all countries, I'm sure, right. <laughs> but how extreme it is. It seems to be at least in the U.S. And yeah. um, it's, I mean, yeah, I don't know how to. Uh, uh, exactly talk about it because obviously I, I, again, my impressions are from books and, and TV shows, but it seems like it rises to a level that is not healthy, that does right. at least make high school harder than it needs to be. It should, it's always going to be hard, but right. Sure. sure. And if you're in the right group or you have the right experience, you're going to love your experience and remember it and, mm. Go back to your reunions. I mean, that tells you something. When there's a reunion every 10 years for this time that was only three years long, like we're still doing that? Like, what is that about? We don't, some people do it with college reunions, but it's not as common. Um, you don't usually do it with your like, you know, fourth grade math class reunion. You do it with your <laughs> high school class. And I've thought That's about true, this. Yeah. I think it's because our brain is new at that point. We are having experiences we've never had before, feelings we've never had before. I mean, they've said things like, um, I mean, Spotify did a funny research project on the music we listen to. Um, after 36, we stop searching, searching for new music. It's like our brain's full by then. But if you think about it, and what they found is that people at about that age will start to seek out the music of their adolescence. And they can right. tell this because they know all the everything about you. But <laughs> if you if you think about that, the f music you listened to when you fell in love the first time is so integrally integrally. There's a word tied <laughs> to your to memory, to feelings, to all that newness. I mean, it it imprints pretty strongly. So there is something to be said for why the intensity is so strong and why people continue 
continually revisit. There's half the people want to go to a reunion because they have good memories. There are half that would never want to walk through that door. I mean, how many songs are about, let me walk into my high school reunion and show you I'm a superstar just yeah. to throw it in your face. You know, it's because it, it really has a pivotal impact. Yes, Is it dangerous? But... Uh, I think, I think TV exaggerates it, but I do of think course. it's there for sure. It's there. But it, I mean, I keep coming back to the same idea. It's super intense. It's more, it's, it's the case everywhere again, but it seems super intense, more intense in the U S yeah. and I don't, I mean, individual individualism, I don't think would explain all of it. Um, but well, do you think some of it might be just proximity to each other? So in France, did you have sports teams in your high school? No, that's, I mean, in France, you spend a lot of time in high school, but you spend a lot of time just studying. Like there's a ridiculous, right. and that I didn't realize before I looked at, you know, we were talking about at the beginning of the show, looking at other places to see how they do things. Yeah. And I didn't realize we were studying so much. We study from, you know, maybe nine to five and there are eight hours of like classrooms classes for that entire time with very short breaks. It's, it's, it's very intense. And there is a little bit of sports and a little bit of music and a little bit, but you know, it's like two hours a week. Most of it is just sit in class, read a book, listen to the teacher. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not like this communal, uh, uh, little right. town thing it's just right. the place where you go to sit in a class to read a book right have um, you have you happened to see have you seen uh friday night lights yes i love okay. that show i love so it's that fantastic show. and my husband's from the south and as we watch that show every oh 20 minutes i'd pause and look at him and say is that real <laughs> <laughs> and so within my own country there is a sec section called Texas that is as foreign to me as anything else. But that level of love of football and family and God and country, I mean, that is so intense there. You think, wow, that can't be real. It's real. So I can see why outside you'd think America was all that right. intense. But again, think about your favorite football team. Think about your favorite rugby in, in England is like one of my favorite things to watch. That communal, spontaneous singing, the bonding, the crying, the winning together. There's nothing that bonds you more. So I really think a, a big factor here is sports in high school. Um, and it can be musicals in high school. It depends on, you know, the area. I have right. a friend in, in Burbank and her kids are in choir theater. And you, like the Glee stuff started there, right? And that is the coolest kids. And in my high school, that was not the coolest mm. kids. <laughs> so it depends <laughs> oh, on where you're from. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's there's one thing that is actually uh, more easy to identify somehow. It's that what you're saying about the activity, I didn't quite put my finger on it. I couldn't put my finger on it before, but definitely that is the kind of thing we don't really do. But that's integrated into high school in the U.S. Yes. And you you are also part of I didn't, you know, it didn't uh, uh, resonate earlier, but you were saying you were parts, part of different groups because of the different activities you were doing. Yeah. Um, and so that is actually part of your high school uh, uh, experience. Whereas at least for France, I'm sure other people uh, have different experiences, but for France, high school is not your whole life, I guess, even when right. you are in high school, it's a super important part of it, but it's not your entire life which maybe is a little bit different in the U.S. Oh, yeah. I think high school is all your life when you're 
in the United States, at least those first couple years that by your senior year, you're kind of sick of it and you, you maybe don't hang out so much, but, but, but that's a really good point because I think there's a traditional, at least a history in Europe. Um, I know England's similar, you know, you're done with school legally at a younger age than we are in the United States. You're done at 16. I know that's true in Sweden, and I, I think it's England well, as well. Well, everyone and, continues until, you know, well, everyone, not everyone, but most people continue. It's not yes, like of course, of course. But then, but you think about that split at 16, you're now onto a track of, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to, you know, you're, it's, it's like uh, perpetual adolescence is, you know, sort of worshipped in the United States. We're all Peter mm. Pan. So how long can we just have fun? So now we go to college and we just drink for four years and then we're like, maybe I should get a job. So there's this very like elongating I, adolescence. Whereas mm. I feel like in Sweden in particular, these kids are dead serious about their future careers starting at 16. Whereas at 16 in the United States, you just got your license. You can drive to football game. Like you are not thinking, I want to be an architect. You are thinking what right. is fun and what can I do next? And definitely yeah. in France, uh, when you get at 16, you sort of choose your first uh, uh, different type of, uh, uh, you know, the different section of high school you're going to go to and you focus yeah. more on literature or uh, science or, you know, physics and all of that. And then high school, uh, when you're done with high school, you go to college, but that also could be an interesting discussion to have the sure. college experience in the US. Um, in France, it is incredibly different. Yes, you're going to have fun and you feel more independent for the first time and you're sort of an adult, but you're there to learn your craft and to get a job at some point. It's not, it's really not like it's serious stuff. In, in, and yeah. there are a lot of people in the US, obviously, that go to college and that are serious and that st study, but that again, image of, uh, Party Town, USA, I'm 18 and I'm in college now, is so much more intense than it is, at least in France and I'm guessing in Europe. And and yeah. you are, uh, I would think on average, you're more of an adult at 18 or 20 in, in Europe than you are in the US. Maybe I that's would absolutely agree. Hmm. Absolutely agree. But having said all of this, by the way, I'm the number one America basher there is in all of Sweden. <laughs> so just everyone forgive me. Um, because it's embarrassing when you step outside and look at it sometimes. <laughs> Again, the idea okay. of it's looking okay. at things from the outside yeah, can be enlightening. True. It's true. And when I'm asked a hundred times the first year I lived here, is high school really like it is in the movie? <laughs> I mean, it is such a common question. Um, because it's fascinating from the outside, but when, you know, you realize like, wow, we seem like crazy people sometimes, but, mm. but having said all of this, I would like to move back to the United States. So my kid, my, my current 10 year old, my older child, I don't think high school fits her very well, but my 10 year old, I want him to have high school in America. Isn't that interesting? That's that knowing all this, yeah. all my experiences is because I thought it was so fun. <laughs> like I really <laughs> loved it. But I also noticed I was in that middle group. Like I, right. I had the benefits of that socializing. And I had, I had lots of diversity of things I did. So I feel like it really fit me well. I recognize that's not true for everyone. So I project that on him. Oh, he needs that. Mm. He'll love that. <laughs> But And, I wonder also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I wonder if we're not taking a few extreme examples in both, you know, extremes, which are actually not 
by far the majority and maybe the majority is as it always is that this this middle group that is just average and normal and you know is not represented by all of these uh uh, examples that we've given yeah you won't see girls gone wild spring break florida 2000 whatever with just your average american students i mean it may seem that way because you don't know but i think there's another factor here which is that my idea that I kind of mentioned before about, you know, the Photoshopped social circle these people have to deal with now as teenagers, like, you know, when they're looking at Instagram feeds that are professionally managed and they're thinking I'm supposed to look that way, or I'm supposed to do these things. Their their peer groups have gotten bigger and perfected. And that's, that's really dangerous to me. That's that's easily the scarier thing than any high school is. It's just made what's hard about high school. It's sort of ramped it up at a pretty vulnerable age. And so I don't know how you run from that or change that. I think it's, it's a really tricky blend, but I do think some inoculation comes from finding good friends in high school. If you can do that. Um, I just went to Mexico to get some sunshine. I told you that I thought I was Mm going to die (laughs) and I needed some vitamin D so badly. (laughs) And I went to Mexico with seven of my high school girlfriends. We have been friends for this long. We're all 40. It was our 40th birthday party for ourselves. And, you know, it's so much has changed. We have kids and we all live around the world. And But it was amazing that those three years means that we, we would travel together to, you know, it's crazy when I think about that. Yeah. But some of that bonding is can be really powerful and really beneficial. It can also be a pretty crappy experience for people too. And I, I recognize that as well. So it's, it's hard to tell, but movies sure make it look either really fun or <laughs> so scary. I, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I think the, the intense, that also is a little bit different. I would think uh, in my experience, at least, and I think in friends in general, certainly you make friends for maybe a longer time than in college, but I'm not even sure. I think it might be also less intense in every yeah. sense of the world uh, yeah. for us here. At least it was for me. Maybe other people have different experiences, but... Um. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's a pretty a pretty complete roundup of what we could say about uh, high school cliques and, and high school and individualism and uh, extreme uh, behavior. In, uh, right. In well, I, I, I have a little homework for you. You should watch Ooh. High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I will. I think yeah. I think I might it because uh, it's I, I it's probably very different. But have you seen the perks of being a wallflower? Yes, I have. Yeah, uh, that is also one of my. And maybe that's something I would like to say in in closing of this episode. Um, for how foreign it seems to me, and I'm sure to a lot of Europeans and people from other uh, countries. I mean, I know that in Japan, at least, uniformity, you're, we're talking about in, individualism. Yeah, in, it, Uniformity is enforced in Japanese high schools. And that's yeah. why we see some of the behaviors that we, we see. I know, I know about Japan, and I'm sure it's, it's not and, you know, it, it might be representative of some of the aspects of Asian cultures um, to an extent. But for how it it does seem very foreign to me to look at the uh american high schools but at the same time i mentioned uh breakfast club yeah it, earlier and the the perks of being a wallflower and all of this the the manifestation the symptoms of what it is to be a teenager might be different but those movies and did speak to me 
in a very profound way. And they did reflect some of my experience as a teenager as well. So I think there is definitely a lot of kinship or, you know, things that you can recognize in those, uh, in those experiences, even if they seem different, uh, at first, maybe the causes or, or the, the, the core of what it means to define your identity, as we were saying earlier, uh, defining yourself outside of your family is very, uh, you know, is something that is universal. So Right. And I, I, I would add some sort of a weird element to this that should be a, probably a whole nother show, but I'll just mention it briefly. <laughs> Go ahead. Is if you think about the dating patterns, um, American versus other, and of course, I can only speak for Sweden. They don't date here. I mean, they like hang out a little and then they're like super together and it's, oh, yeah. there's, there's not a lot of casual interactions. And I think at least my current explanation for that is high school is a chance to practice adulthood in a way that isn't it. The consequences aren't really big. Whereas, you know, if you're studying eight hours a day in France at 16, 17, you're, you're being dead serious about where your future is going. Um, and there's maybe not so much play um, learning, if that makes sense. Whereas I think the play learning that happens in American high schools is dating, interacting with a lot of people. It doesn't have to be all serious. In fact, and this was many years ago, obviously, but the couples who paired off and dated seriously were sort of dropped out of most groups. And so there wasn't a benefit to be exclusive in dating, even though you could be, it was sort of like, oh, they're dating, forget them. All right, off to us (laughs) doing some fun thing together. And I don't know how much that exists in other cultures where the dating practices are, you know, sort of a play practice for future, you know, committed relationships. Um, So I don't know how exactly it works. I mean, there is definitely, it it would be a completely entire other show, which I think would be fascinating, but definitely in France, there is no dating. You don't like... If you're together, there's no like, oh, we didn't say we were going to be exclusive. If you're together, you're together. You're not, right. you know. I mean, yes, the 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 mistresses are famous in France and France, and you know, the, the, there's a lot of that. I'm sure everywhere, but on the theoretical level, at least, when you start, if you you know, if you kiss and you sleep together, you're together. There's no, like, we have to discuss it. We have to decide whether or not, like, it's... And if you sleep with someone, or even if you start kissing at a party somewhere, and then, you know, you you the next day you don't call or you, you um, go kiss someone else. I'm not even talking about having sex. Yeah. If you kiss someone else, you're an asshole. Like, you're, <laughs> it's completely not okay. So, yeah, it is Our definitely... Our level for that is a little higher, but it's mm. it's... Yeah, I mean, it sounds super weird now that you're saying it, how we, we play lots of games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are games here too, but uh, that would be, you know, relationships would be a, a super fascinating topic to yeah. tackle one day, uh, definitely. But um, all right, I think that is going to uh, be it for this show. Uh, thank you so much, Wendy, for, for, being, for being here. Um, before we close the show, I just want to read a couple of iTunes reviews, which we got from different, well, from the UK and the US. Uh, and I really wanted to thank the people who did that. It's There's Mega BQ from the US who said the show was eye-opening. Eye-opening! Wow. He or she says. Great international show um, from Australia. We have uh, 
Keegan White, uh, oh, sorry, PLCOK168 was from Australia. Uh, Keegan White from the US is saying that the show is wonderful. Um, Fai, Fai, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, F-Y-E-I uh, from the UK is saying that it's a great show, that, that they love it. Um, and so thank you very much for doing this. As I say every time, it helps us uh, getting a little bit more visibility. So if you have a little bit of time to, to lose and to waste, uh, go to iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And uh, if you can leave a review and a at least, you know, a few stars in there, it would be very helpful. So thank you very much to all of those who did that. And Keegan White, if you wouldn't mind writing in and uh, letting Patrick know how wrong or right I am about high school in America. <laughs> if actually, That's your homework, Keegan. <laughs> that, that, that would be uh, pretty cool for uh, listeners in general. Um, if you can tell us about your experience in high school, yeah. if, you know, in the US, of course, to let us know if it's very similar to what we see in the movies or from other countries as well, uh, how you, uh, you know, look at those American movies and maybe your experience in your own country. So that would be yeah. pretty awesome. Um, Wendy, where can people find you uh, outside of podcasting? You can actually find me now. I have been avoiding I noticed everything. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at W-E-N-D-I-D-U-N-F-O-R-D. I'm really creative with names. It's just my <laughs> name. Uh, and you can see the Swedish life. I, I tend to avoid all the hard parts. It's all lovely in Photoshop. So join it's me Sweden. there. It always is. <laughs> Uh, and then I'm also uh, at therapy, therapythursdays.com, um, a little offshoot with my podcast uh, with my brother, Scott Johnson, at TMS, whatever his stuff is. You probably can say that. Anyway, uh, but I am at therapythursdays.com. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I noticed you launched the site, uh, what, a couple of months ago? So. A couple of months ago, and I'm really slow at making it look good. It's hard. You people have a hard job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, you know, maybe we can give you a couple of tips. Yeah, you uh, should, because I can handle someone who's suicidal. But these websites, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the first article titled, Grandpa is a Racist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh for me it's not patrick on facebook and on twitter of course you can also find this show on frenchspin.com and go comment on the specific article for this episode if you wish to do so uh, and you will also find the show pixels where we talk about video games and video game news in general so go and check both of those out at frenchspin.com thank you so much for listening we should have a regular episode in about a couple of weeks uh and after that i'm off to Japan and we'll see what happens then. Wow. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.